Welcome to I Caught It on Audio. This is 64 Tacos Book Club Episode 4, Out of the Silent Planet, Part 4. Hello and welcome to another 64 Tacos podcast. Today we're going to finish up our book club series on the C.S. Lewis book, Out of the Silent Planet. Coming into this one, we have read through chapter 16, and we're going to do uh, talk about chapter 17 through 22 today. We've got three podcasts that we recorded before this, if you're interested in checking those out. All right, so where we last left our protagonist, he was uh, on the shoulders of Augre the Sorn, coming down from the peak, headed down towards Melodorn. Meldalorn? Meldalorn, right? In order to meet Oyarsa. That journey continues and they arrive. He finds that uh, all three types of now, the Sorn, Cross, and Fifiltrig, are all present there. He is allowed to to roam about a bit until the call comes out for him. Uh, I think he goes and sleeps and then he sort of just hangs around and then he actually meets uh, a fiffle trig who as it turns out is taking his uh, portrait in uh, in stone so that happens he's not too impressed with uh, his appearance which may have more to do with his thoughts about the human race as much as uh you know uh, uh whether or not uh, it was a uh, it was an accurate uh, he says it's not accurate but the fiffle trig says it was not intended to be it was made to be more understandable by the people that see it later, which is kind of interesting. So uh, then the call comes out uh, for him to uh, to go meet Oyarsa, and he finds that there are thousands, perhaps if you count the Eldil, maybe even millions who are going to witness this. He walks up a street lined with many of the different creatures, the aliens, the Martians, he, while waiting uh, for a long while, um, is then approached by Oyarsa himself, who is much like an Eldil, kind of a light being who almost can't be seen, but can definitely be seen. Oyarsa um, talks to him for a little while, asks him why he didn't come, why he was so afraid. Ransom answers the best that he can. And after they're discussing this for a while, Oyarsa is asking him questions about not only his own journey and his own feelings, but then he begins to ask him about what happened on Thulchandra, the silent planet Earth. This is interrupted by the arrival of Weston and Divine. And here's another instance where Ransom is a little, he sees them as the aliens they would be to the Malachandrians initially, kind of like how he didn't recognize the, the, the or didn't appreciate the humanness of the picture of the Fiffle Trig. And then he realizes that he's look who he's looking at. Um, after briefly seeing them as, as an, as aliens, he then sees them as his fellow, fellow man. Um, Weston and divine uh, come in and make generally great asses of themselves. They firmly believe that all the uh, creatures are savages, uncivilized, uneducated, and so they treat them the way someone in the 30s might treat, you know, <laughs> Africans or Native Americans or or uh, or Aboriginals or any anybody who is not Western, essentially, who is uh, who's living in the jungle or or else outside of a, a city structure. 
Weston uh, makes up an, a particular ass of himself to the point where at one point he is uh, he decides that a sleepy Ross, an old man who's dozed off, must be the uh, the uh, the leader or the witch doctor. And uh, he addresses all his shouting at this old, old creature who is just sleeping through all of it. <laughs> at a certain point, Oyarsa says, go dunk his head in water. So he goes and he dunks his head in water. They have or has his head dunked in water. Uh, while he is gone, uh, Oyarsa deals with the three Rasa that have been killed by uh, Weston and Divine, the first being Hyoi, and the other two, apparently, when they captured them to bring them uh, here to before Oyarsa, they, they killed two more. Uh, the, the, he does a thing, which is apparently, we learn later, is how all the all the people that die essentially um mostly of natural causes in malachandra they are brought to yarsa and then he unbodies them as as he calls it he just touches them and they they disappear so he does that to the three there is a song sung by the by the harasa and then weston comes back there's a segment where um ransom interprets weston's very flowery speech into his rudimentary Malachandrian, which is kind of funny to hear the contrast of what the dignity that Weston is trying to impart to these sort of well-worn ideas. Uh, when you sort of break them down and deconstruct them, it's, it's, it all sounds a bit silly, which is what we end up seeing. We also listens and then decides that he needs to speak more with Ransom. We, he'll decide what to do after that. So he uh, speaks with Ransom privately. We do not get to find out what that discussion is about. After he speaks with Ransom and their meet, again, he says, basically, I'm sending you back. Whether you want to or not, you're out of here. You know, I won't kill you because you are not mine under my purview, but uh, you're, you're not going to be here, which based on the uh, location of, of uh, the planets is a, is a real problem. So the journey becomes very very dangerous. Um, Ransom is given the choice of taking the risk of Maybe making it back to Earth, maybe not, or staying on um, on Malachandra. He decides to go home with uh, Weston and Divine. Some safeguards, such as Eldil guards, are going to go with him. And also, he has the only weapon on the ship now. Weston charts a course that's very risky by cutting across, basically, uh, really close to the sun in order to meet uh, Earth. And they are given 90 days. Oyarsa puts a time bomb on the ship where it's going to blow up if uh, after 90 days, <laughs> basically. So they go on the journey. It's very, uh, it's a very difficult journey. They go very close to the sun, almost to the point where they can't stand it. Then they come around the other side. They're getting very close to Earth. And something strange happens where basically they miss their mark. They all give up. Ransom passes out. And then when he awakes, they're on Earth. There's rain beating down on the ship. Weston and Divine have abandoned him. Fearing the uh, the time bomb, no doubt. So he hops off, uh, wanders to the nearest village, and orders a pint of beer. Then we pop out to our actual narrator, who appears to be sort of in a meta fiction kind of way, C.S. Lewis himself. The idea Ob- being oddly the most bizarre part of the book. <laughs> yes, it was. It was interesting. He pops out, and and so C.S. Lewis is describing. He says, "Hey, this is where the story ends, as far as uh, you know, the actual story." Um, but. He basically, the idea is this really happened. They wrote a fictionalized a, a account kind of cloaked in fiction to get the story out there. And he's just sort of saying, hey, you know, you read this as fiction. This really happened. I changed the names due to uh, some research. I, I, I coming across a word quite similar to Oyarsa. 
in my research, I ran into the Dr. Ransom as we, as he decided to call him and they decided to write this. And then, um, I'm not sure if you guys got the post, got the postscript in your, uh, yes, I did. So then there's the postscript, which is an excerpt of a letter written by, by our Dr. Ransom to CS Lewis. Um, that basically, basically says so much more happened. So, you know, he's basically arguing, you missed some details. I guess, you know, best since you are the, the writer, but you know, uh, why couldn't you have talked about this or that? And, uh, and he describes in, in certain depth, uh, specific memories he has. And basically it's, it's a little bit of a teaser for, because as it turns out, you know, the story was not, is not over. And before we, we even published the book, events occurred which made the the publishing of the book kind of irrelevant, which I, I would assume is a lead into the next two books in the series. And that is where our tale ends. So uh, what did you guys, uh, what'd you guys think? Why don't, why don't you start Dave? Well, I liked it a lot. I, you know, as we've said in the last three episodes, it's great um, storytelling and uh, description and atmosphere creating by, by Lewis. I kind of wonder if um, Ransom, needed to be in the story at all though really other than it's the character we follow because he didn't actually do anything when it comes down to it i mean not really yeah he, st- stuff happens to him he, yeah he stuff is, happens to him he we are he is our eyes he's he's for us to see what, what occurs but yeah. he doesn't uh he has no great feats well i guess he helps kill the hanakra but um but that that was going to probably happen anyway with with or without yeah. him but um, other than that little complaint, and then the weirdness at the uh, in the last chapter, where Lewis, you know, as you said, reveals himself as telling a f- it's not a fiction story, but blah blah blah. Um, that that was my those were my only complaints. Uh, what did you think, Matt? I liked the the meta end. I I really did like that. I thought that was fun, and like, oh, this is really real, but. Blah blah blah. And I love the little thing in the the appendix or the postscript about oh you know you did you left out the part where the shutter was damaged when we landed and <laughs> yeah. and everybody would understand why we couldn't close it if they knew it was damaged when we landed. <laughs> Listen, if, if Matt, if if Doctor Ransom just assumed that all the readers would be like you, who would be annoyed by the missing details, like hey, that doesn't make any sense. Why didn't they just close the damn shutters? <laughs> It's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ransom thought he was going to go blind several times in the story too. I thought that was that was interesting. Yeah, yeah. I also really liked the different way of thinking that the alien race had versus the human race, and how foreign human thought seemed to them. Um, that was really fun to explore, and kind of the point of this whole book. It feels like. Yeah, it was it was neat that the aliens weren't the uh, the villains in the story. It was it was the humans um, who who caused the the strife. So I thought that was a neat twist. And I'm sure certainly in in the 30s, 1930s, um, that was not a. A uh, familiar take on the interaction between humans and extraterrestrials. Right. Zach, what uh, what were your thoughts? 
I was kind of hoping that uh, Divine and Weston would have gotten a little bit more just desserts than just like a dunking and <laughs> and um, and then Wa- sent. Waterboarding's sent. not enough for you. <laughs> no, no, that's not enough. And then banished, banished his, back to but, their home. Planet. But Zach, his his hat came off mid waterboard, and they had to it, do it again. Yes, <laughs> was that his hat or his toupee? Because that sounded it seemed like almost <laughs> like his. I think uh, you're right. I think it was a stupid now that you mentioned it. It, it felt like better. it was a, like they were talking about a stupid. <laughs> the animal. You know, <laughs> but I, I did really like that whole sort of interrogation or trial, if you will, part where Oyarsa is talking to Weston and and uh, West uh, and 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 it was great how Weston was was you know talking in this really low almost caveman register like mm-hmm. uh, uh, me uh, me weston me me uh don't like the <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah um I, I really enjoyed that and uh and then you know and ransom is trying to to translate at one point and, and weston's ginormous speech and uh and he he can't he you know there are parts that he's like i can't i can't do this well, this know. this was written in the uh sort of the early years the just just before the war got going world war Two, but there's a little bit of of uh i think possibly a little bit of hitler and the nazi ideals in weston's speech about uh, the yeah. sanctity of man and how our races must go on and it's most important and life life demands you know it's, it's extension and all these other things i wonder if that was a bit of a a shot at you know the yeah. the burgeoning you know uh danger next door yeah I'm sure it was because mm-hmm. he very much speaks with that eugenics ideals. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, so, so divine, I think was the one who was basically only there for the gold. He, he really only cared about the precious metals. Right. And, and yep. Weston was, was the one that was more about the, you know, spreading the, the humanities oaths the, all over the, yeah, the seed of humanity. Yeah. And while I despised both characters, I could, you know, I could kind of understand Weston's plight a little bit more that, you know, he wants to keep his, his race going, but his means of trying to do that, like you guys are saying, you right. know, are, are inappropriate. And, and the fact that he just, that both of them just go and, and kill any, anyone, any now, uh, that they feel like, um, is, yeah. is pretty ridiculous. Well, that brings up an interesting wrinkle where Oyarsa says, um, did you ask yourself why the Malachandrians didn't come to your world? Our world yeah. is older than yours. And he, he points out that at one point they were capable of that. And mm-hmm. in fact, he, he basically says that the, uh, the bent Oyarsa, the bad Oyarsa mm-hmm. of our world, who's been in prison since before we existed mm-hmm. came. I think he, I think the, uh, the uh the 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 big mark on the moon he implies that that was he 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 dented the moon with one hand and with the other hand he he um destroyed the the race of bird people that lived on the mm-hmm. surface of uh, Malacandra before they um basically and then at the end of that thing we we sort of find out that um they must have had great technology for it looks like as you pull away all the valleys were built below the surface and appear to have been built by hand Basically, mm-hmm. they had to they had to go inside the planet to survive, and and they did that um, all under the sort of context of it's an old civilization that's well past its peak, it's sort of in its in its twilight, um, and yet yet it yet it exists still, and and there's 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 a lot of peace. So while we say, oh, we're the like Western would say, oh, we are the superior civilized, you know, race, the Malachandrian or Arsa might say, well, we got past all that BS. 
that, yeah. that teenage crap that you guys are currently in the middle of on your planet. Mm-hmm. We're into our sort of peaceful retirement waiting for, for the end, which will come at some point, but we are, we don't, we're not afraid. We're just going to That's okay. That was an interesting idea to think of. They weren't uncivilized. They were post civilization. They were beyond that point to mm-hmm. the sort of point yeah. where they weren't squabbling over money or power or land or anything like that, or, or, or racial, you know, uh, racial wars or things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, given that this is CS Lewis and, and, uh, you know, while it's not overtly expressed, you, you could almost make the connection that like Melacondra was almost sort of like a, a heaven place. Um, and with, you know, with like Oyarsa, essentially the God and that, uh, the bent world of, uh, Thulchandra is, is more of the, you know, sinful place, the place that's been touched by Satan or, you know, whatever the Judeo Christian, uh, way would, would believe that. Um, well, they, and and, and I actually appreciate that about, about his writing because I, I don't, you know, while, while I can recognize that, that, that those things are, those themes are there, uh, it wasn't, you know, like try to be forced down my throat in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, a little subtler than lying witch in the wardrobe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no literal crucifixions, you know? Yeah. Uh, you were going to say, Dave? Um, yeah, I was going to say that, um, I mean, they literally call, rather than referring to what we say is outer space, they call it the heavens. And yeah. early, early on, Ransom thinks, you know, a, an an older generation of humans, you know, many years, many, uh, long time ago used to think of the, as space as the heavens. And now that he's there, he, he can see that and he feels that. And then when he gets to, um, talking with Oyarsa, they, and he literally calls it the heavens, you know, and then the planets are, within the heavens and they're they're where the heavens aren't basically so and then yeah he says the uh i don't i don't know i don't remember if the character is named but our the earth's oyarsa basically had the satan or the lucifer story where he fell from grace yeah and um the planet went dark or silent yeah after that and he uh corrupted his um, Haras or uh, Haras, um, now, now, yeah, yeah, or or almost he corrupted the bed in which they grew because right. it, it seemed to happen before they were born, but then the the our planet grew up without the sort of um in, in the wrong environment, and therefore we we grew up bent for the most part, and that was one of the interesting things. You, you mentioned that um the the humans were the bad guys, um humanity yeah. was bad. And it, and it, the way he accomplished that was simply by having a group of people who were ignorant of the way that we do things undermine our assumptions about the right way that that things should work um, by just asking like childlike what seemingly childlike questions about what is there not enough food for everyone why why would we right. why would he's talking to the fifth trig and he says you know um, it was everybody happy to be in the mines and. He's like, oh, yeah, I, I mean, everyone does their part and, you know, it's it's fine. Yeah. And there's no problem. And he says, what about in your plan? He says, well, we have miners, but I don't know if they love it because they 
if we <laughs> the way he has to phrase it in his rudimentary language skills and to make them understand is if they stop we won't give them food, which is a brutal takedown of capitalism. <laughs> and that's, that's the beautiful thing about him creating this, this other vernacular um, is it, it forces you to look at the, the core ideas of what we as a society value versus what the core values of, of the Melichandrians value. You know? yeah, it's the contrast that makes it plain who, who the bad guys yeah. are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, one other thing I wanted to to mention in my theory that, um, well, not my theory, but the theory that uh, uh, Dr. Ransom, number one, his name is kind of funny when you think of it as a pseudonym because mm-hmm. he was kidnapped. Uh, so Ransom is fitting. But also the theory that uh, that uh, Ransom is, is Tolkien. Um, yes. Partic- particularly <laughs> convincing is the fact that um, during his, uh, his 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 basically his editorial reply to a manuscript in the in the postscript, Doctor <laughs> Ansem is like it's like I I mean you're telling me these people aren't interested in the language, but man, you really cut a bunch of that language stuff out. <laughs> Something which Tolkien uh, probably had the same conversation with many of the people when he was publishing The Hobbit yeah. and Lord of the Rings. So he says, "Screw you guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna just you know." I'm going to write about the languages because I think the languages are interesting. <laughs> but uh, Lewis cuts cuts a bunch of that stuff out. So, Matt, um, overall, how would you rate this book? Are, how many tacos are we giving it? Or sure. Out of 64. If, if that's the 64? scale you want to use. Four out of 10 or on a grading scale, whatever you, what do you want? Like for me, I'm going to say read it. Okay. Um. I'd say it's a nine out of 10. There's a lot of really good stuff there. How about you, Zach? I would give it an enthusiastic thumbs up. All right. And Dan. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll give it, um, I will, I'll, I'll give it, I'll give it an eight and a half on, on the mat scale. Um, uh, it's, it doesn't have, there's not as much action as there could be, but the fact that the book is, really uh fascinating despite that i think is uh is a testament to the writing and the ideas okay well there you have it um i think that's going to conclude our series on the c.s lewis book out of the silent planet um we may continue in the uh this this is a trilogy and there's a chance we'll continue with it we might do another book for our next book club we may never read again i don't know Mm. but um this will be where you would find it wherever you're listening to this podcast. So tune in then. I caught it on audio. 